0: Welcome to the City Collective Church Podcast. We believe we are better together and exist to create space for everyone to discover life in Jesus. We hope that in today's message, you encounter the heart of God and are challenged and inspired in your relationship with Christ. Wonderful if this is your first time here welcome we're really glad that you're able to join us my name is jason And I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here at City Collective. We are in the middle of a series called Kintsugi. Uh, The last two weeks, we have talked about this idea of Kintsugi and how the resurrection renews the world. And if you're unfamiliar with the term itself, it's in reference to a form of Japanese pottery, where uh, a a clay pot is smashed to pieces, but it is put back together with this glue lacquer that is... uh, Infused with gold, and, and it communicates the, the beauty that can exist within our brokenness. And we talked about how the idea of the resurrection is the renewal of, of our lives and the pieces and the brokenness that we experience. But how does that actually take place? Week one, we, we considered the idea of the Holy Spirit. That when when Jesus ascends into heaven, he makes this declaration to his disciples and he tells them that I'm going to leave you with something that is better. That I have something for you that will actually move you forward into the fullness of life that I have promised to you. And then this past week with with Samuel and uh, Makoto Fujimara and his his testimony, uh, we talked about the idea of your identity in Christ. How to to be known as a child of God really does transform the life that we live, but it's not simply to be transformed in this intellectual ascent, but in the life that we live requires a power that's beyond ourselves. It's a new power for a new beginning that we find in the Holy Spirit. But if you've ever, uh, a couple of you maybe have come across this, I know that as people, have, when they're looking for churches or they're considering going to different places, they check out a website. And so for our, our, on our website, we articulate one of the simple things for ourselves and what we hold true, and that is that we keep Jesus at the center. So even as we consider this idea of the resurrection renews the world and the Holy Spirit, I think we're also informed by this idea of very simply Jesus at the center is actually compelling us forward to this reality of the Holy Spirit. Now, I think there's a lot of ideas, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, uh, associated with the Holy Spirit. Past experiences, maybe they've been odd, maybe they have pushed you away from the idea of it. I've experienced them myself where uh, I've been hesitant to engage with it. But my invitation to you this morning is this, that when Jesus ascends and when he makes that promise to us, it's not simply because he's trying to make us feel better that he's not here anymore. He's not just trying to make you feel good. Oh, don't worry, like dad's going to be home in a little bit and I'll have a toy for you later. This isn't that. This is actually Jesus saying, this is something that is better for you. And what we often face is this sometimes grieving reality. We don't accept this gift and we feel a lack of in our spiritual reality, in our relationship with God. So we're going to go on a little bit of a, a journey this morning asking the question, so if the Holy Spirit is this gift, this lacquer, this, this gold that, that binds us together into something that's more beautiful, what is the example that we can truly look towards? And, and I think that the greatest example of to be filled by the Holy Spirit is Jesus himself. And on this, on this Mother's Day, where there is this incredible opportunity for us to give honor where honor is due. I think that there is a comfort that we receive the, from the Holy Spirit on a day like this as well. When Jesus speaks of the Holy Spirit, it is as a comforter. So before we begin fully, um, allow me to read a, uh, just a prayer for our moms this morning. And I hope it encourages you. So God of Sarah, Ruth, and Rebecca, of Elizabeth, mother of John, of Mary, mother of Jesus, listen to our prayer. Bless all who mother and bring new life in any way. These mothers who teach and guide, who encourage and heal. Invite them to the table of your eternal feast. These mothers who feed and nurture the life that has been entrusted to them. Embrace them warmly in the intimacy of your love, these mothers who embrace with affection those who are helpless and dependent. Bless them today with all good things, with health, with laughter, with joy, with love, with pride in those they call their children and in the support of many friends. May all who are a mother, who have nurtured life in others, be themselves nurtured In your strong embrace. To rejoice with their family and friends for all eternity. Amen. So if we are to live in the way of Jesus. To live into the beauty of the comfort that we are given. I think we have to understand that our identity informs the way that we live. To live in the way of Jesus is to know what it means to really live like Jesus. And in the resurrection, we see the fruition of a truth that is presented earnestly throughout the Gospels. And Jesus modeled what it means to be full of the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 5 verses 18 to 20, it talks about this idea of, of holy living. And it says this this statement, and maybe you've heard it said in jest before, but don't be drunk on wine, be drunk on the Spirit. And And it's it is talking about a lifestyle that we live, but there's more to this idea of not just simply being, don't be drunk on wine, be drunk on the spirit. It's talking about the places that we go to for our attention, for our affection, for our sustenance. It's saying, don't be under the influence of this, be under the influence of this. Don't let this shape the way that you walk. Let this shape the way that you walk. The the scripture, it talks about speaking to one another in songs and hymns from the Spirit. That it actually is the language of your life that moves you forward. When I consider the, the lives of individuals in the Bible and we're looking at this idea of what it means to be filled by the Spirit, we look at someone like the Apostle Paul. And Paul throughout his ministry was was searching for his identity in Christ. And when he found it, he lived into it. But it formed him continuously. To be filled by the Spirit is not to simply have a momentary revelation that makes you feel really good and like you figured it out and you, you can ring the bell and let the world know, I've got the answer. It, it is actually this, this constant mobility in a downward direction. What I mean by this is uh, Paul, throughout his ministry, he writes to churches all throughout the region. And in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 9, he says this. He says, I am the least of all the apostles. And he writes this in A.D. 55. And then he writes to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 3, verse 8. And he says, I am the least of all the saints. And he says that in A.D. 60. And then in 80.62, he says in 1 Timothy 1.15, I am the least of all the sinners. The, the more time that he went by in his life, the greater revelation of the spirit that he encountered, it led him to this place uh, that of understanding that Christian maturity is actually downward. It's growing not less aware of your own unworthiness, but more this the the holy spirit does within us what we can't do for ourselves because this is what happens when you get power within you within our very normal everyday lives power completes uh, corrupts completely that that's the saying is it not And yet we're making this invitation as followers of Jesus that you have a new power for a new beginning. But the way that I interact with power and the way that I've seen power manifested around me is that power actually makes the world a worse place. That it actually hurts people. That it actually takes advantage But yet you've been given this power and authority by God himself when we invite Christ into our lives, when we place our trust in Jesus, there's a power that we have that's actually meant to operate within us in a way that's counter to the manner in which power treats us in other spaces. Power through this Holy Spirit that is given to us is actually meant To foster a greater sense of humility. Of awareness of others. Of generosity. Of of deep intimacy with the creator of the universe. And a reliance that is not on ourselves. This is what the power of the Holy Spirit does. It actually operates in a different manner like it did for Paul himself. And Jesus was aware of this, and this is what takes place throughout the ministry of Christ as well. In Luke chapter four, Jesus, he goes and he reads from the scriptures in the synagogue nearby. And he, and he reads of himself, actually, and he presents himself to the religious leaders and authority at the time, and he makes the statements of who He is through the reading of the scripture. And he reads Isaiah 61 it says in Luke 4 that all the eyes in the synagogue were fixed upon him. And he said to them that today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So I'm going to read Isaiah 61 for us. I'm going to read just the four verses, first four verses for us this morning. You can follow along on the screen. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. I think it's a beautiful passage. When we consider this idea, and the idea is presented. I think perspective is everything. We talked about it a little bit last week, Samuel. He, he presented this, uh, this example of if you have too much familiarity with a space, you miss the wonder that it has. That he's from here in the lower mainland and he drives by the mountains and he goes to the ocean and he doesn't, he doesn't see the beauty of it all with the same eyes as maybe someone like myself from Alberta that every time I drive by the ocean, I'm, I'm in awe. Or I'm going just down the hill from Fraser and and, and and there is just mountain just right in front of me. Spectacular. And it's this awe and wonder that you can lack with a certain perspective. But I also wonder how perspective shifts within experiences themselves. Uh, this past week, I was able to, to travel to London. And on the way back, uh, was was delayed on the flight. And it was a, it was an extra long flight. But I always forget this. It's been a while since I've traveled for that, that length of time. And normally, or more recently, when it's a shorter flight, you don't get food on a plane. But there's definitely f- food on this flight. It was about eight hours in the air. Uh, and so well, the thing that I was reminded of most acutely when eating this food was that it was not good. Uh, and it did not taste particularly good either. And, and, and you know what? They, they frame it with like a Really nice title. They're like, oh man, we got I, we got two things on the menu for you: some chicken tikka masala, some mushroom risotto. And you're like, this is five star over here. Me and my economy class seat. So uh, you 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 pick one, you order it, it shows up for you, and it is not the mushroom risotto that you were hoping for. I'll tell you that much. It does not have that same flavor. And then you 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 just know that it's. It's meant to be a little bit better than it is, but your experience of it is not particularly great. This is actually an interesting little note about it. As the plane gets higher, the air pressure drops while humidity levels actually go down as well. And at about 30,000 feet, humidity is less than 12%. This means that it's drier than most deserts. The combination of dryness... And low pressure actually reduces the sensitivity of your and my taste buds about 30%. So the truth is, that mushroom risotto is actually pretty good. You just can't taste it. Perspective is interesting. I can bemoan it if I don't know it. But if I know it, then I'm actually a little more okay with it. I want you to think of it this way. Uh, if you were living in the Sahara and it has not rained for months on end and you go, to, uh, you go to a place that maybe isn't rainy like the Lower Mainland, just a little less moist on a consistent basis, and they get 20 centimeters of rain within the course of three weeks. It's nothing compared to the Lower Mainland in the month of November. But it's, it's, it's more than what you've experienced in the Sahara it would seem like this is a massive windfall of rain. Glory to God, we've got some water in the city. And the people in that area, they might be celebrating as well because that is just what they're used to. But for you and your perspective, you're coming from a place of nothing to something. And I think this is often our experience of the Holy Spirit, especially within our North American culture. That we have so often come from a place of, of droughts and desert. That we have not experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. We have not seen it at work in our lives. And when we get a little taste of it, we think to ourselves, wow, the Holy Spirit, it must happen this specific way. Or this must be exactly what it feels like. But this is the truth that we often experience. That our perspective based upon our experiences around us, isn't a true reflection of how the Holy Spirit is actually meant to operate in your life. The greatest reflection of what the Holy Spirit is meant to do in your life is seen in the life of Jesus. That should be and is intended to be our foundation. Now, I'm not saying that it's not good to get a taste every once in a while, but what I am saying is That there is something more for you in your relationship with God and your experience of the Holy Spirit than what you have already had. There is more. And not simply because I I, I want to, to make it a dramatic experience, but because this is what the Bible says. This is the promise of Jesus. If he's saying that it's better for me to go, he's saying that this is the best that I have to give to you. And yet, this is not our experience so often. I think a lot of people, they experience outpourings of the Spirit, and they think that it's abundance, but under biblical standards, it's actually drought. Because Jesus... He is God wanting to join in relationship. He's not just a philosophy. He doesn't just want intellectual assent. And this is an important characteristic, this relational element of it. Because if you've ever spent any time in church or maybe you've come across situations, you've, you've seen the Holy Spirit presented in such a way and maybe it looks dramatic or it's got a flair to it. But what is a relationship really? Relationship is an ongoing experience of what it is to be together. This is what a relationship is meant to be, an ongoing experience of what it's meant to be together. And so that is what it's actually meant to do within the power of the Holy Spirit, that your life, my life, is meant to have an ongoing experience of the Holy Spirit at work within it. Not, not a momentary, dramatic flare that is meant to, to spark something within us, but an ongoing relationship that is consistent and trustworthy and familiar in that sense so that we bring it into every space of our lives. Part of the idea of how the resurrection renews the world is that it is not isolated to a church building. The resurrection renewing the world means that it's your workplace. It means that it's areas of of creativity and art. It means that it's families and families that are good and families that are feeling broken. It means holidays like Mother's Day and holidays like St. Patrick's Day. It means that it goes all places and everywhere. The resurrection is not isolated to one place. It's meant to be this ongoing relationship that goes with us everywhere all the time. And what we've seen far too often is the idea of the Holy Spirit within the church has elevated the gift above the giver. But Jesus treats the Spirit differently. And Jesus describes sending the Holy Spirit, and he uses a word that actually means exactly the same as me. So here, Jesus emanates all that the Father is. He's exactly like the Father. And he said that I'm going to go and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit who is going to be with you and who's going to be in you. And it's better that I go and I'm going to give you this comforter and he's exactly the same as me. Now imagine this. We have the perfect representation of the Father now dwelling inside all who place their trust in Jesus. The perfect representation of the Father dwelling in all who place their trust in Jesus. And the longing of Jesus is that the power of God, the Father, would flow in you and through you. So he models the fullness of the Holy Spirit, Jesus does. And he models this like perfect theology and he he continuously demonstrates the knowledge of God and brings about healing and deliverance and and, and reconciliation. And, And he does this over and over again. And this is the way of Jesus. This is the track record of Jesus. For Jesus, every situation that he enters, he brings about redemptive solutions. This is the spirit at work within Jesus coming to life. It was always a redemptive solution. Or or in other words, there wasn't a problem that Jesus walked into and looked at and walked out and said, maybe I'll avoid that one and get it another time. There was never that experience for Jesus. And this is what God brings into situations for each and every one of us. When we look at the way the enemy works, death, loss, and destruction are the fingerprints of the enemy. But the fingerprints of Christ are restoration and healing and and, and bringing things together that we thought once gone. In 1 John 3 verse 8, it says that he has come to destroy the works of the evil one. When the Lord says be filled with the spirit, it is literally enabling us to do exactly what Jesus did to illustrate the Father, and to deal with the afflictions and issues of life. Sent by the Father to reveal the Father. Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 4, the, ones, the verses that we read, this, this was out of the Torah that was read out of a da- on a daily basis in the synagogue. And when Jesus reads it, It was customary for Jesus to go on the Sabbath and to read a certain portion of Scripture. And the portion that he's given from Isaiah, it was was meant to relay that this is who the Messiah was going to be. The redemptive solution for the world. The one who makes that which is dead living. Broken new. So we have to understand this. That when the Spirit of God comes upon us, it is always for action. It's always for impact. It's always for change. I love within the scripture that within the first, about two and a half verses, it is outlining that we are a people that are in need of a God. Broken in so many different ways. But then it, it declares this. It says that, You and I are going to become oaks of righteousness. my, My mind is drawn to a tree stump that is too large to wrap my arms around. And I think of this idea of righteousness, right relationship with God. So this is to say that you and I become a people so secure in our right relationship with God despite the brokenness that we might have. This is, this is the outpouring of the Spirit. The Spirit is poured out upon His people. The people see where they have fallen short and are broken, but are restored to relationship with God by the power of the Spirit, not simply for themselves, but for what it talks about in verse 4, and that's the rebuilding and renewing of the city. That it doesn't just end with this impartation of the Holy Spirit to feel good and be comforted and have peace. Those are the, the benefits of the Spirit within us, but that's not the purpose. It doesn't end there. And so often we stop all that we do within the presence of God because we're like, I feel good. I look good. I've got some friends. I've got some family. I feel comforted. And Jesus, he made me feel better. And the invitation of the Spirit is don't leave it there. It's meant to take you farther than that. It's actually meant to empower you for the renewing and the rebuilding of the city. The city is, in that sense, the world around us, the relationships around us. Because what does Jesus do? When he's full of the Spirit, he brings redemptive solutions into every situation. And when you and I are full of that same Spirit, you have the power of that redemptive solution meant to be brought out of you into the world around you brokenness that we might experience around us has nothing that it can do in the face of the spirit within us. You don't, you don't simply get rebuilders if you don't get broken people restored. So we pray and we hope for our city to be healed and restored and all that good stuff. But it starts when people first and foremost are filled with the spirit. This is where it begins. The spiritual renewal of our city, the flourishing of our community, the transformation of our families. All of those things begins first and foremost by the presence of God falling on you and on me. This is the narrative of history. We see it in the life of Jesus, but we also see it in his people. In in London this past week, we had a chance to visit the home of John Wesley. And John Wesley was a flawed individual in many ways, but he had an incredible impact upon the nation uh, of Britain. And the impact was seen throughout his life and beyond. The Methodist tradition, the Methodist denomination, is born out of, of John Wesley and his brother Charles. And it talks about all these different ways in which the denomination came to be, and, and people often think of John Wesley along these lines of of structure and, and practice and the way that he does things if you even if you attend maybe a Methodist church at some point you 'll notice there 's a specific way that they go about doing things, but one of the things that was so present and known to me throughout this trip that I have lost often for myself is that the Spirit of God was always the spark that lit the flame of change within the lives of people that were used by God. John Wesley, there's a story that he was in Oxford and he was at his university and he has this evangelical charismatic, there's this, there's a Spirit of God that came upon him in a moment and he notes it actually in his journal and he just ran to the church nearby to worship. And he marks that as the moment where he believed that there was real change. Up to that point, he was part of this group called the Holy Club. He was part of this organization that was was known as the Church of England, and he was serving as a vicar, and he was doing good things. But then the Spirit of God came upon him, and it began to shift the nation of England when he was just starting off as a vicar. Thirteen people attended the uh, Easter service at St. Paul's Cathedral. When he died years later, 50% of the country was actually a Methodist Christian. God moves through his life in a powerful way. If you've ever come across a, a teaching called Alpha, we've run it here before, maybe you've seen it other places. Alpha is an, is an incredible a program that takes people on a journey to maybe know who Jesus is, to ask the questions of life. Is there more life to this? Is there, is there tagline? And, and Nicky Gumbel is one of the pioneers of it, and, and he's part of this, and he's, he's a former lawyer and barrister. And if you, you hear him speak, he seems like a very straightforward, very well-thought-out individual. But we were at his church at Brompton Road in London. And they were telling stories of him. But they weren't telling stories of simply just like the things that he'd done. They told stories of what changed it all. That it was a, a prayer night for him and his church way back in the 80s. That there was somebody that came and was praying over the people. And they actually made this statement. That there's 10 people in the room that are suffering, suffering from athlete's foot. Nine people stood up. And everyone's wondering, where's the 10th person? And then on the front row, there was a wife that was, like, shooting that, that elbow into her, her husband's side. Like, you've got athlete's foot. I've seen that thing. Like, that's gross. And he, and he like, made a, a very, like, offhand statement. Like, I'm not going to stand up. I don't believe any of this. That man was Nikki Gumbel. So he stands to his feet in that moment. He gets healed of his athlete's foot, but that is not where it ended because he gets healed of the athlete's foot and then the, the Spirit of God fell upon him and they had to actually carry him outside and the man at the front actually said very specifically that night, the spirit of evangelism is falling upon that man right now. We were at a, a conference at, while we were there in London. There was 200 of us in that room at the moment and we were able to be part of that, that great time together, but there was 115,000 people watching online simultaneously. This is a man who's had his life transformed. And the, the beautiful thing in both of those situations that I've seen and I've recognized for myself is that when the power of God falls upon you, an incredible work takes place, but humility is also what happens within the life of that individual, if it is true, if it is genuine, because you would never guess it when you came across Nikki Gumbel. Shows up in his, like, sneakers and his slacks. And he's just like wanting to know everything about anyone in the room and you're just like, you, we're a little teardrop compared to like the impact this man has had on, on the kingdom of God. George Whitfield was someone that was part of the, the revival across North America and he had an, an experience of God that transformed his life and made him believe that he had to come and be preaching the gospel to those around. Even C.S. Lewis, we were in Oxford at the time, we got to go on a walk for one of the areas that Lewis and Tolkien used to Go on, and it was at uh, the college that he ended up teaching at. And Lewis he, he articulates three moments in his journey. And if you never heard of C.S. Lewis, uh, Chronicles of Narnia is probably what he's most famous for. Uh, but Lewis wasn't a Christian first off. He actually was brought to Christ by his friend J.R. Tolkien, who wrote uh, the Lord of the Rings. And so they're on this walk and they're, they're getting to know the area and spending time together. And there's three moments in Lewis's life where he, he notes that they were part of his journey to come to know Christ. And one of them was this walk that there was suddenly this like gush of wind and this, this storm that just kind of rested upon them. And it was just him and his friend and they were talking and they felt within them something that they couldn't explain. And this is Lewis writing at this point with no, with no articulation of a spiritual experience. Very much actually uh, anti-anything church or religion. But he said, I couldn't explain it, but it's something that happened within me. And they actually had to run. And they ran and they ran and they ran. And they had this moment in which he came to experience the the spirit of God. And it led him to the next day where he had a conversation with Tolkien and and ended up giving his, his life to Christ. And then he ended up becoming a teacher and a professor and a writer. And when you read some of his teachings and his writings, it's more than just maybe a creative imagination. There there is, uh, I think I was talking about this with someone else, there's this prophetic voice that he has in a lot of his writing. And this is someone whose teaching and writing and impact has, has lasted well beyond his lifetime. All these different stories of of capable, well-thought, academically successful individuals. Where they did a lot of good in their life. Shifted dramatically when the Spirit of God really did fall upon them. That it began to make them like oaks of righteousness. Righteousness. Steady and strong and deeply rooted in right relationship with God for the pursuit of the renewal and rebuilding of the city, of, of, of their world around them. This is what the Spirit of God actually does. The filling of the Spirit is for the purpose of the renewal of the city. And the question is, have we stopped our sense of following Jesus at simply being satisfied with good living and good theology is your relationship with Jesus if you have one this morning simply good enough because you're like i think that he's a good guy i live a good life i'm nice to people and i and i think that what i believe is solid Because the point that I'm trying to make is this. When Jesus gives us something that is better, he's asking us, is there power coming forth from your life that actually sets captives free? That good good living and good theology was not the purpose of the Holy Spirit being given to us. It was actually the power of the Holy Spirit being given to us to set captives free. Ourselves first in our relationship with God. And then our friends and our families. Our co-workers and our neighbors. Our fellow church, church members on a Sunday morning. Because we've all got chains that we bring to church. Don't tell me you don't. Because that's where it starts in the renewal of a city. That's where things begin to shift and change. That the power of the Holy Spirit working through each individual in this room to set captives free, that is what Jesus wants to do. And sometimes the beginning place for myself in this journey is often coming to this spot of just simply hearing that invitation of, do I have a hunger for the Spirit of God? So to tie it all together, how does the resurrection begin to renew the world? When the people of God become hungry for the presence of God. Because we will be met. We will be filled. We will be empowered. And we will see God move. And I don't know about you, but I I get so tired of a Christian life that's just simply nice to people. How are we any different than any nice nonprofit organization if that's just the pursuit of our our ministry? First and foremost, we need to hear the invitation of Jesus. Jesus makes that call to us. Will we receive it? Will we live it out? Could you stand to your feet, worship team? Can you join me at the front? as the worship team is getting ready, would you close your eyes with me? And if you feel comfortable, just extend your hands. There's no pressure if this is not where you're at right now in your Christian walk or in your discovery of faith. But if you feel comfortable, would you close your eyes and extend your hands with me? I want to pray a blessing and and a call for us as a church. That perhaps there's things that you desire in your life that you're, that you're longing for and you're not seeing come to fruition. That your, your good works and your good intentions are not good enough in, in leading to that space. The invitation this morning is that the strength that you're operating by is not the strength that you're intended to live by. That the invitation is the power of the Holy Spirit given through a good God for the renewal of his people and for the renewal of the city, for the renewal of those that are around. So, so Jesus I just pray right now for every person in this room where brokenness exists within our personal hearts within our close relationships within our broken dreams and within our, our sense of worth and sense of value I just pray holy Spirit like gold going into the cracks of broken pottery to make it more valuable and beautiful than ever before intertwine yourself in our lives right now that there be a falling of the Holy Spirit upon each of our hearts so that we can see you at moving within our lives, that even the resistance that we might feel within ourself. Father, I just pray that you give us the courage to just open up ourselves right now. The Holy Spirit, that there is a falling of, of your grace upon the lives of individuals in this room, that there is an openness to your presence that's taking place, and that, that I just pray that there is a new hunger, a renewed hunger that's coming forward, not for sin- a Christian life that it looks good on the outside or looks good in the in the ways that we do things but a life that is so compelled by the gospel the life that is so compelled by the transformational work of, of the cross that we got to tell people around us not simply in our words but in the life that we live in in the in the spirit at work within us i just pray that there is courage that rises up in this room that the spirits that the gifts of the spirit that are at place here father that we don't know them or we might not recognize them father But as that stirring comes, as that prompting comes, I just pray there is courage within the people here this morning to to lay hands on the sick, to, to, to declare what the goodness of God is in broken situations, to speak out the future to those who need to hear it. We just pray that there is a renewal within our church family, that there is a renewal within our hearts, the Holy Spirit, do what only you can do, that you would begin to shape us, that you begin to work within us. And the Holy Spirit, not looking to our right or to our left, but focused on you, would we just pray right now that upon each person in this room that there would be just a release of of, of, that, of that separation, that release of of, of, that, of that bondage that we're keeping Father. I just pray that there's a hunger that begins to rise within the people within this room. That there's more than simply just a good idea that comes in front of us, but a longing for your spirit, a longing for your presence. And that would be the compelling nature of all of our interactions. And that we would go forward into this week and we would have eyes that see and ears to hear how you, Spirit, would lead us and shape us. That, that there would pe- be people in this room that would have the experience of the presence like, like the cs lewises and, and the nicky gumballs and the john wesleys of the world that have had a touch of the presence of god and were never the same again that they that they knew you but they hadn't received the gifts of the holy spirit just yet give us hearts to receive Give us hearts to receive this morning. Holy Spirit, fall upon us. May we be a people that long for more simply good ideas. I've sensed it within myself and I sense it for those in the room as well. That you've you've gone to a place within your Christian faith that you're asking yourself, is this it? This doesn't really feel that different. It doesn't really feel like there's much purpose to it. I just pray for sparks of renewal in hearts right now in Jesus' name. Come, Holy Spirit. Work afresh within us. For those this morning that need incredible peace trouble sleeping during the week, unrest in relationships. Feels like nothing is going right within within school or within work. And it is an anxiety that's overwhelming. I pray for still waters that restore our soul. Holy Spirit, lead us there. For, for those who on this Mother's Day feel like a, a sense of loss, loss of a, of, of a child or a mother, Comforter, be with us. And we offer those relationships to you. all things that are broken in this room that we that we sense for ourselves and when when I talk about brokenness that's what comes to your mind and just pray for healing and restoration for reconciliation and newness. May this be a new beginning by a new power. father in heaven we offer this to you in jesus name i pray amen thank you for listening to today's message we hope it challenged encouraged and inspired you in your walk with our lord jesus christ to keep up with city collective make sure to check us out on instagram and facebook at city collective church have a great week